we just really want to reiterate that losing your period doesn't make you a legit athlete and doesn't mean that you're training really, really hard and that, yep, you've made it. (laughs) And that, you know, if you still have your period, then, you know, your body fat is too high or that you aren't training hard enough and that you need to stop fueling yourself so that you lose your period so you become a legit athlete. Like that's what we're just trying to reiterate. And I really love what you said about having this menstrual cycle as a health indicator. I think as females, we should see it as a really like fortunate thing to have this thing that happens to us every month with symptoms and with hormone changes that gives us an indicator of what our health is like. You're listening to The Well Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's menstrual cycle educator, natural fertility coach, and daytime mermaid. This is a place where we discuss all things periods, poo, ovulation, fertility, and sex. Join me weekly as we rediscover our menstrual cycles, unlock its superpowers, and guide you back into your cyclical nature. You're listening to episode 212 of The Well Woman Podcast. A couple of weeks ago, an interesting article came out in the news titled, Losing Your Period Is Not Healthy. Athletes Want More Understanding of Women's Health. Now, this article came out about the amazing athlete Carla Papak. And so I reached out to Carla because my good friend Dan was like, dude, you should totally reach out to her. So I sent Carla a beautiful Instagram message and we connected. And a couple of days later, we recorded this episode. And I wanted to get Carla on the show to really express what it's like being a professional athlete, a very renowned professional athlete, and what it's like training around your menstrual cycle. And how does your menstrual cycle benefit your training or how does it impact your training? So Carla joined me in this episode and it is absolutely juicy. Now, a bit of background on Carla. She's a 24-year-old professional surf ironwoman who is obsessed with getting the most out of her body and mind to win. Her experience and knowledge working as an exercise physiologist and providing education for female athletes about female physiology has led Carla to take a more scientific and holistic approach to her training. Carla aims to lift the veil and the stigma around menstrual cycles and women, particularly in training, and get to the core about how a woman can perform at her best. So this is a really juicy episode. We talk about what it's like to be a professional athlete as a woman, how to train around your cycle. We talk about having conversations with coaches. We talk about the effects of exercise on the body and her work as an exercise physiologist. We talk about the purpose of research articles and why there aren't actually that many around menstrual cycles and training for athletes. We also dive into how to create cyclical balance and how she can really hone into her hacks and tips that she has in consistently ebbing and flowing with her training to support her cycle. Carla openly expresses and shares with us her own challenges, including the time that she lost her period and how she reclaimed it, got it back, and is now using it as one of her training superpowers. This is a really beautiful and juicy episode, like I mentioned, so I trust that you'll enjoy this chat with Carla. Carla. Welcome to the Well Woman podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. You are very worth it and very welcome. <laughs> this has been a very spontaneous conversation that we've really, you know, kicked off with. And for those who are who are tuning in and listening, I'm gonna like get you to share a little bit more about yourself. But 
literally you had an article come out a few days ago around you being an athlete and the menstrual cycle. And then my best friend sent it to me, my part, partner sent it to me. And I'll, and then my best mate was being like, you should reach out to her. And I was like, you know what? Okay. And so here we are having this conversation. Um, it's going to come out just after Aussie titles, but re- re- we are recording it just before Aussie titles to give everyone a perspective. So I'm really blessed that you're here. So thank you. No, thank you so much for having me. Um, Thank you so much to the best friends. Shout out to them for, Thanks, Dan. <laughs> for reaching out. Thank you, Dan. Um, no, I'm so honored to be here. I, you know, love the idea of talking more about this topic. So yeah, I'm really excited. And yeah, I love the your vibe. So I think this will be really fun. It's I hope it's gonna be fun too. But <laughs> let's kick it off with the first question that I ask every guest. Tell us what day of your cycle you're on and how are you checking in and feeling today? Okay, so I'm on day five of my cycle. I just pretty much finished my period. I probably still have some light bleed. <laughs> Sorry for the TMI. No, um, no TMI here. No TMI. I thought so. I thought so. This period has been a little bit on the more symptom-based side. I have had a little bit of the cramps. And yeah, but I got through it and I think it's perfect timing because I'm about to head off for Perth for my Australian title. So I kind of had looked in advance and thought, okay, yep, I'm going to get it this day. So I, I do track my cycle, just mm-hmm. putting that out there. I know when I'm going to get it and I try and really plan ahead if I'm going to get it at a certain time for my racing. So I look ahead for my races and really fortunately this, you know, my last major races I've gotten my period either like just before I race and haven't had it for when I'm racing. So not that that's a bad thing if you have your period when you're racing, but obviously just practically, it's nice to not have to worry about, you know, changing your tampon at a surf carnival because that's just, or changing your cup, which would be something I would do um, because you just never get around to doing it. And it's not like you're a, you know, what could I say? playing basketball where you're wearing shorts and, you know, nothing tight. You're actually wearing swimwear that's kind of, you know, it's not a Brazilian one piece, let's face it, but it's rather skimpy at the same time. And, yeah, that feeling of menstruating for anybody having to get in in, in swimwear, let alone then racing in swimwear, and we'll talk all about this this, this episode. So I'm very excited. So happy day five for you. And Thank you. Yeah, Next next week, you're going to be reaching your inner spring, that follicular pinnacle point of your cycle, which is very exciting and a great time to race. So don't you love it when the universe provides alignment like that? Oh, I love it. And yeah, I, I mean, you know all about it, but I love racing in my follicular phase. I think mentally, I don't like to, you know, think about it too much because if I was racing in my luteal phase, that's okay too. Mm-hmm. But it, it, when you are when you are racing in the follicular phase, you just know that at least you got that on your side. Yes, great point. And we are going to talk all about your training schedule. I'm going to probably ask you way too many questions, just giving your <laughs> heads up. But you know, for everyone to really get an insight of what it's like to be a menstruator and an athlete at the same time, where your body is your business. So there's going to be so many people here who don't even know what iron woman sport is or surf life saving who aren't in Australia and they don't know probably anything about you, probably all the Australians anyway. So tell us, Carla, who are you? What kind of sport do you play and how did you get into the sport? Okay. So I am a surf iron woman. 
not to be confused with a triathlete. That's generally what everyone kind of tends to think is what we do. So generally I get asked is, oh, so what bike do you have? And I'm like, no, 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 no bike. Um, so, a beach cruiser. So, <laughs> yeah, a beach cruiser with a pretty basket out the front. <laughs> so And an air horn. <laughs> so it's the same concept where we do three sports in one, but our sports are all ocean dominant. So what we do is we paddle aboard, that's one leg, and they're kind of like the long mouths that you see the lifeguards paddling. Then we have a surf ski, that's the, a second leg. So that's like a kayak, but made for the ocean. So you can punch through waves, you can catch waves. And then we have the swim. So that's just normal swimming in the ocean. Everything is around about 400 to 600 metres for the normal traditional Ironwoman races. And then you do have your endurance race, which is the Kulangata Gold, which um, we can talk about a little bit later. But um, yeah, so it makes it's compromised of swim, board, ski with run transitions. And we race in the ocean all the time. Big surf, small surf, flat surf, sharks in the water. <laughs> and um, I got into that when I was in the under sixes through a program called Nippers. So Nippers is based all around surf awareness for young children, eventually then progressing the kids up through the ages, you know, taking them out on the board and then teaching them how to be lifesavers. So if you see any of the people on the beach wearing the red and yellow uniforms on your weekend, they're typically patrol members who have sometimes, but not all the time, have gone through nippers, have done their training to receive their award to then patrol on the beach. Now, some people just patrol and then some people patrol and compete. So I'm one of the people that competes in the surf Iron Woman races. And I also have to patrol as well because it is a community-based uh, sport. So it's surf life-saving, it's community-based enterprise business. So we all have to com um, complete a number of hours of patrol to be able to compete, which is quite an interesting concept. Not many other sports do that, to have to do volunteer hours and, you know, take up your time on the weekends to go supervise beaches. But I think it's a really cool aspect of our sport and keeps everyone a little bit more humble and also allows us to give back to the community in other ways as well. I love that. It's very community-based and it kind of, like you said, it is quite humble and um, I like, I very much like that. I've visited a number of friends on their patrol days at the beach. Yeah. I'm like, well, you're hanging at the beach today too? I'll come hang at the beach with you. Um, yeah, not going to lie. I will preface that. I often complain about having to go to patrol. So anyone listening at home that's going to be like, this girl is talking smack. She hates going to patrol. <laughs> I, I, I like the concept of it. Just sometimes when you're at the beach all the time, it is a bit of an effort to go back to the beach and patrol all day. But I do love the idea of it. Yeah. And yeah, it's great to dis decipher between the two, Yeah, um, yeah. but it, it is a really good concept. And it's funny because there's not a lot of other professional sports out there where there is that community, you know, volunteer contribution. And I think it's a really beautiful part of surf life saving. And I think it's what for a long time has kept the culture of surf life saving alive, considering it's a very old sport. So it's not, you know, a new sport like skateboarding at the Olympics. It's very mm. old and has a lot of tradition to it too. So that's your sporting background and how you got into the sport, but there's a whole nother side to you and you don't just train and compete. You also work. And so tell us about the other side of your life. Yeah. So I'm an accredited exercise physiologist, 
So I went to uni. It's a four-year degree I studied at the university in Sydney. So I'm originally from Sydney. I've just recently moved up to Noosa in Queensland. And basically what we do is we learn all about the physiology of the body and we learn the effects of exercise on the body. So specifically, we're looking at individuals with diseases, conditions, injuries, and we're looking at is exercise effective and what is the most effective and safe way to prescribe exercise for these people. So I finished my degree. I have worked in clinics for the last two years, working with people with all sorts of conditions and injuries and also just a healthy population, just giving them exercise programs for their goals, specifically targeting more of a Pilates-based workout because I find that that's you know, a little bit of a niche area that people are loving at the moment. They love the idea of a Pilates workout. So I'm really enjoying that. And it has tied in really, really nicely with my sport. We're learning so much about, you know, the effects of exercise on the body. And obviously as an athlete, you're always, well, I think I am, I'm especially curious about how exercise, what effect exercise has on my body. So it's tied in so nicely with my, you know, with my profession and obviously with my sport. I love that. And I wanted you to share that because I didn't know this about you until, because obviously this has all happened very fast. Like literally we booked and I think organized this yesterday morning or the morning before or something. Literally. And, you know, so I didn't Google you. I didn't do all this research. And then when you mentioned in our voice messages between each other, you're like, oh yeah, I've got work today. I'm an exercise physiologist. I was like, that's excellent. So this is going to make it an even more interesting conversation because the effects of exercise on the body is one thing, but the effect of menstruation on the body for someone who's body is their business with their sport is another thing. And this is why I feel like it's going to be a really interesting conversation for a lot of people and a lot of potential young competitive athletes to really understand that being a menstruator, there's different ways we can actually treat and honor our body, not just have to push through all the time. So thank you for sharing that. Now I'd love to just dive into your previous experiences as a menstruator. Are you open to talking about what your period was like when you first went through Menarche, which is our very first period? Yeah, for sure. Awesome. For sure. So how old were you roughly when you started menstruating? Oh, good question. I think I was around, I'm going to say 14, mm-hmm. probably around that age. Um, the funny thing is, and I think maybe this is where my love for the menstrual cycle has come from. When I was in school, I was a lot younger than my peers. So I started when I was four. So generally everyone was around that eight to 12 month mark older than me. So, which, which is, which is fine. And never, I never felt affected by that until everyone started getting their periods Mm. and I hadn't had it. And upon reflection, I realized now that, you know, I got my period basically the same time they got theirs. They were just all older than me. But at the time, they were all getting their periods, all my friends in school. And I went to an all-girls school, so we talked really openly about it. And I was sitting there always feeling so left out. And and I just wanted to get my period so bad so I could just participate in these conversations about, you know, what tampon was you using? And can I get out of swimming too? Because I have my period, which I've never, ever done. So that's that's irrelevant. (laughs) But um, when I finally got my period, I actually remember being really stoked about it. 
and being like, yes, I've got my period. I can join in with the girls now. So it was actually a really positive, you know, mindset and experience for me, which I'm really happy about because I know that that's not the case for many people. And yeah, so for me, it was, it was great. It was, it was almost celebrated, which is, Mm. which is really cool. I love that. Love, love, love that. And I can resonate a little bit too, because I was considered a late bloomer. So I started menstruating at 15 and a half and my dad wouldn't let me shave my legs until I started menstruating. And I was so, (laughs) I was the last girl out of all of my friends from school that got her period. And I was just like so excited to be able to shave my legs <laughs> with the rest of the pe- the cool people who had cool. shaved legs. And it's funny now, people now it's cool to have hairy legs. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yes. time is up. so different. You just can't keep up. So that is such a um a niche rule from your dad. Oh, and I'm the oldest of four, so I don't know why, but he was just like, nope, not happening. I don't know, maybe he didn't want me to grow up for some reason, but. <laughs> Very interesting. I was a swimmer at school and, you know, for a long time I got into triathlon and you don't know this about me. I got into triathlon. I was like, I loved ocean swimming. That was my, that was my sport. And I um, will never forget my first period. I had the swimming carnival not long after. So it would have been like the day after or two days after. And I was like, fuck, I just needed to learn how to use a tampon. And I was so paranoid. This is why I mentioned earlier you know, it's one thing to have your period as an athlete in shorts playing basketball mm-hmm. versus wearing swimwear. I was paranoid being the first time I'd ever used a tampon that is the string hanging out? Can people yeah. see this? Am I going to be bleeding in the pool? Like that saying, <laughs> if you piss in the pool, it'll go blue. I was fucking so freaked out. But at the same time that no- nothing happened. And I was, I felt really proud that like, yeah, I mastered the thing of the tampon. I was like, is it in crooked? Is it the right way? I had no idea. So um, very, very, I can resonate with your story. So thank you for sharing. Um, but around that time, what was your experience of the first, say, few years of menstruation? Do you remember any signs of challenges, anything that stood out for you for that time? Yeah, I think thinking about it, I think I was, you know, really fortunate. Or again, we are normalizing, you know, normal periods. So I was really fortunate to have quite a easy normal period I generally had you know the first few days a little bit heavier and then it would really die off for the last few days obviously I had my fair share of leaky tampons getting out of the water seeing blood running down my leg thinking oh god gotta go but generally in terms of symptoms I never suffered from really bad cramps really bad lower back pains my symptoms were really quite stable now I remember having this chat with a lot of my friends and again, do not know, I have not really looked into the science behind this. So this is probably way more your expertise. I really think that my consistency with sports really made a difference on that. It, it just seemed that way compared to my friends who were having, you know, really bad experiences with their period. I, I never stopped training throughout, you know, from the first day I got my period. I'll, I'll share this story because my boyfriend actually asked me the other day, he's very, he's very into it all. He said, you know, what was the first, like, what'd you do when you got your period and you had to go swimming the next day? Because, you know, we have swimming every morning. You don't, you don't miss unless you're dying on your deathbed. (laughs) But I remember my mom and this is going to make her sound really intense, but she's not, she's so lovely. I kind of said, mom, I got my period. We talked about it. And then I said, so I've got swimming tomorrow. Like, what do I do? And this was the first day I've ever gotten my period. And she's like, well, here's a tampon. And I was like, 
like I have had friends who had had their period for, you know, a year and had never, ever put up a tampon. And here my mom is being like, here's a tampon, put it up on your first ever day. So, yeah, I definitely fumbled around with that for a while. But um, from the beginning, I just had to deal with it that, you know, I wanted to swim. So you need to wear a tampon. You can't just get away wearing a pad, which might, you know, is a lot more comfortable for a lot of people. But I had to deal with it and I just trained all the way through all the way through it and I I really I don't really have any prominent memories of having any bad experiences besides you know the time when you your tampon is leaking and there's blood running down your leg which I guess can be quite traumatic mm-hmm. for some people but I think I just you know I would deal with it I'd run to the toilet I never it's interesting I never talked about it with coaches so that is something that I would love to see change because I think that's that's something that I would have really helped. I remember overhearing one of the older girls have a chat with the coach and she mentioned her period. And that was a really significant, really significant moment where I thought, oh, well, if, you know, if Gabby is talking to the coach about it, then that that's okay. I can probably ever mention if I'm having any issues or if I'm not feeling so well. So the first time I heard that conversation, it did make me feel a lot safer that if I wasn't feeling my best which I'm sure there were times that I probably was feeling a little bit off that I could talk to the coach with it but it was interesting that I, it wasn't until I overheard that conversation that I had that moment otherwise I, I would definitely say I would not have felt comfortable talking to my male swim coach about my period mm. and I I don't know your age bracket but I know when I was swimming in high school um, and then I got to this age of like 15, I had to choose between swimming and basketball because I just did all the sports and I chose basketball over swimming. So I just ended my swimming. <laughs> but I, um, and then I picked it up when I did triathlons again later in life. But I, at the time, there was most of the coaches in all the sports I ever did were male. Mm. And I feel like today there's a, a lot more female coaches, which is fantastic. But it's interesting because around about three weeks ago, I was hired by a school to do a menstrual education um, section um, online via Zoom for the swim team. So private, Yeah, private school in Sydney to talk about this and their head coach is male and then their assistant coach is female and that assistant coach had been a client of mine. So she's like, you need to come and speak to our girls about it so we can you know, create an open conversation between all people in the team, not just you know, the students and not just the coaches. So I really feel there's a lot changing in that, but that would have been very daunting. I can imagine because I was a competitive rower. <laughs> Look at all the sports I did. I was a, <laughs> I, was a I was a very competitive still water Stop rower. flexing. <laughs> and I only had male coaches, right? So when I was in the state teams, they were all male coaches and it was the same thing. You just up your tampon, on your zoot suit you go, mm. and just you just carry on at five o'clock in the morning, right, in the dark. Yeah. And I know so different about my body and especially as I've, you know, matured in age, my body has shifted a little bit and my needs are shifting and changing and I think it's important to honour that. But what I hear so much is there's a big population of people who are not professional athletes but they love training. Mm. and they're people who train throughout their cycle and they don't have a a taper week. You know, I call your menstruation as a great taper week. So how do you right now, like switching gears, how do you structure your training? Let's not talk about competitions because you don't get to choose when the competition is. No, 
But with training, how do you structure your training around your cycle? Do you structure your training around your cycle? And if you do, what does it look like between, say, the four different phases of the cycle? Yeah, no, that's a really cool question because it's something that I have only really, I'm going to say recently, just in the scheme of my competitive career, recently started to look into. Uh, I I got kind of I reconciled with a friend of mine who's a professional triathlete. She's a little bit older than I am, and she was performing these women's health workshops in Chile. And we kind of like met in COVID and we would just talk on and on and on about racing and training. And she started to talk to me about, you know, training periodization through your cycle. And I was kind of like, I've never heard of this. What do you mean? And, you know, she was like, you're an exercise physiologist. That was the biggest thing. She's like, you're an exercise physiologist. How do you not know about this? Mm. And that that's a, another big thing that I would, I want to touch on is that, through all my years of uni and, you know, I've had girls in my, in my cohort reach out to me saying, you're right. We didn't learn about this where the menstruation cycle was not even like talked about in terms of how exercise would affect the body during the different phases of the cycle. And I'm like, that is literally my degree. My degree is to talk about the effects of exercise on the body. And the fact that we didn't even do one subject or one week on it is is insane and I you know not bashing the uni or anything like that Sydney uni you're great but I think there needs to yeah there definitely needs to be more information around that topic and I think one of the main reasons why it's not touched on in uni is because a lot of what we were learning about is research-based evidence and the truth is there is just not as much research-based evidence for female specific physiology and the effects of exercise on it so that's one thing I talked a lot and my friend Lucita and we talked a lot about how the research has been, you know, pushed in a direction towards men. You know, if you look at most research articles about looking at the effects of exercise on the physiology of the body, most of the time the study group is men. And when they have done female study groups, they just say, you know, female study group. They don't they don't look at, you know, different phases of the cycle. Only now, if you if you search into it, you can find a lot more research articles to support the differences of you know performance adaptations during the cycle. The issue with these articles are is that they are sparse. So mm. there's not many of them. And the problem in the science world is that something needs to be done a million times before it's seen as you know conclusive and the outcome needs to be proven lots and lots of times because there are so many variables in each study and there it's very easy to look at a study it was a whole subject we did at uni where we looked at studies and we pointed out why they may be inconclusive or how that outcome may have been skewed so they were teaching us to you know read research articles but also to basically take them with a grain of salt if there was too many variables so what's happening with a lot of these studies because there's not as many out there. Obviously, it's leaving more room for variables. Mm. There's not enough meta-analysis for these studies because there's just not enough studies. So we had a huge conversation about it. I've done a lot more research into it. And despite maybe not being able to, you know, unis may be able to teach the subject because there isn't enough research support behind it, I think I've, you know, I've done a lot of research into it and I'm also using my 
clinical reasoning as an exercise physiologist and of course my own experience of how do I feel throughout my cycle to now make changes to to my training so that was just a long-winded um no no this is great let's can can I ask you a question on can we talk about that before you talk about your training yeah is that you know men are very reliable in their in their bodies like their cycles and I'm always talking about like one of the key education pieces to begin the education of the menstrual cycle is that men run on a 24 hour cycle, whereas born females run on a 26 to 32 day cycle. So that, you know, it's very one day versus 26 to 32. It's very different. And so with like studies of men, they're very predictable, right? Because they're generally every day is going to be the same. So if you test someone on a Sunday or a Monday or, you know, in September versus January, like it doesn't really matter because they're very much the same. Whereas we do have four parts of the cycle. And so if a test is done on someone who say in their menstrual phase versus their ovulation phase versus their luteal phase, the results can be very different. And, you know, I no longer practice a lot of sport. I'm a very committed yoga practitioner. I have been for 12 years and I dramatically noticed the difference in my, in my practice at the different stages of my cycle, particularly, particularly because some of the postures are very deep. And so Mm. I just know that if I get too deep into them, that actually halters my experience of being able to menstruate properly. And then that can lead to other challenges. And I think that it's important for everyone listening to know that it's not that studies are wrong or that they're not inclusive. It's just that for so long, medicine has been really based around the male's body because it's so reliable. Yes. It's really hard to make a study. Number one, it's really hard to do, tick all the boxes of a study. It's expensive mm -hmm. and it's time consuming and it's really hard to control variables. That was like the biggest thing I learned in uni. I had a lot of respect for, you know, people who took part in these studies and who ran these studies. So now add in the fact that you have to take into a women, a female's menstrual cycle, you're like, oh my God, we, we might as well not bother because it is, it's so hard. And you're we don't have to, the money for this. We don't have the money. And, and they probably don't. And there's probably, you know, there wasn't enough interest for it as well. There wasn't enough demand. So, of course, like, why, why would they bother, really? It kind of makes me feel like, you know what? Fuck it. I'll do my own study. I'll reach out Literally. to like 100 female athletes and I'll say, all right, on day one of your cycle, how, like, like fill out this particular, mm-hmm. you know, criteria. And then on day seven of your cycle, fill out this. And then here's a test ovulation kit. And when you're ovulating, do this. And then after, yes. you know, seven days after you've ovulated, let's test this. And I think it's so much, instead of just doing it once, you have to do it four times. And that's yeah. what makes it really challenging. A lot of people are like, fuck that. I don't have the time for that. So yeah, all the money, all the resources. So yeah, I'm glad that we covered that so people can really understand. And it's the same around, you know, the writing of the menstrual cycle and the history of the menstrual cycle is that only men, I don't know if you know this, but only men could scribe. Women were not allowed to scribe for hundreds of years. So there's no written literature from like the 16th century or the 18th century of the female's experience. Everything that's written was written by man. Mm. And there's a whole time there when women wanted to write or even, you know, write a novel is that they had to be published under their husband's name because yes. they couldn't publish because they, they were a woman. And so we live in a really empowering time for born females, but at the same time, there's so much work to do. Yeah. I mean, that story is 
crazy. And I mean, I'm so thankful as much as, you know, we're harping on about why aren't there enough female studies, obviously so grateful that we live in a time now where that, where that demand is there and the supply is coming in. So I'm so glad that more and more females are getting a voice and yeah, just so stoked about that and won't complain, you know, obviously it would be great if they addressed this earlier, but I'm I'm really excited that we are leading the charge. And that's mm. also really special to be a part of, of this time as well, because this will be something that is, you know, a big part of history, especially for, you know, females in future generations to come. I love it. This episode is proudly sponsored by USANA Health Sciences, my number one nutritional supplement choice. I've been using these products and paying to use these products for well over 10 years because their quality far exceeds the rest. Yep, they're manufactured to a pharmaceutical grading, which means they're made to the highest standards of manufacturing for nutritional products in the world. Personally, every day I use these products just a part of my healthy regime, just like brushing my teeth. I've found their products to really be transformative for my own personal PCOS journey, keeping my skin radiant, my energy balanced, and a healthy digestive system. Every day I use the prenatal cell essentials because I believe a prenatal is a foundation for all types of cycle health, not just for preconception and pregnancy, a mercury-free fish oil, a probiotic to support my past leaky gut experience, and of course, a magnesium calcium with vitamin D. This blend is fantastic for my inner autumn, and I always take a little bit more before I begin bleeding so I have a smooth transition into my next menstrual cycle. To learn more and try these products and discover them for yourself, I have a cheeky up to 20% discount for you. Head to gemmalee.usana.com to learn more and save. That's gemmalee.usana.com. Back to where we were. Yeah. Tell us, what is your, let's go back to you competing, say, five years ago. Mm. What was your training around your cycle like then? And then what was the dropping penny point or coin point or cent point? Because we don't have pennies in Australia. But <laughs> what was the dropping penny point that made you have some kind of understanding or shift towards the cycle and based on what you do now? So, yeah, five years ago, I I didn't even acknowledge it, really. I got my period. I probably felt a bit yucky for a few days. But like I said, because I had these pretty, you know, easy to deal with periods, it, it didn't affect my life that much. So I didn't need to change my training. And really, I think the level that I was training at was obviously, you know, high, but not really compared to the level that I'm training at now you know I still was doing a lot of things I was doing quite a few other sports too so I was I was probably had a quite a balanced life to be honest the the penny or the cent or the coin probably <laughs> dropped when I lost my period mm. so that's, tell me about that's, that <laughs> yeah that's um that happened in 20 oh gosh I don't even know I should probably double check my my dates there let's say 2018 just for for sake it was actually the last time pre-covid pre-covid yeah pre-covid for sure like four or five years ago yeah it was actually when the last time Aussies was in Perth so we're coming up to a little anniversary here (laughs) um not to celebrate it but I think I just went through that phase that I think a lot of females go through I had just gone now I'm going to say this you know please take this within context I had just gone vegan six 
I don't even think you know this, I'm fully plant-based. So I'd gone vegan and maybe like two years before that time. Mm -hmm. So I was following a full vegan diet. Now I as well started, I think I just started becoming really health conscious in general. I was doing a lot of research into, and I'd started my degree. So I kind of, you know, had a little bit of knowledge on how to how to do research. I know it's when hard when people say I was doing research and they just like follow a bunch of Instagram Dr. pages. Google is Dr. Not Google, research. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was I was doing, you know, research, but in saying that, again, the research still, you know, a little bit skewed. And obviously there also comes into the fact that I was looking at other iron women. I am in swimmers all the time. I want to be lean. I want to be small. I want to be like, you know, the girls that are looking really fit. So, because that's generally what an iron woman you would think of when you think athlete. Is portrayed, think, portrayed. Is portrayed. Like is portrayed, is portrayed mm. right? Is portrayed as being lean and fit. And it wasn't something I feel like I really did on purpose, but I definitely started to just slightly underfuel. And I say underfuel now, but at the time I would have said just like, reducing my uh, my eating in a way that I thought was oh you know what I think I was just snacking too much there or I was eating too much in that meal again we've no guidance whatsoever you know you might do research about what foods are good to eat but in the end only someone who like knows your body weight and knows what you know how much energy expending can really give you the amount of intake that you should be having so this was kind of just all me willy-nilly you know, eating what I thought I should be eating. I hadn't, I don't think I'd seen a nutritionist or dietitian dietitian before. And I started following a few recipes that I saw on Instagram as well, which of course are made done for, you know, I want to say like normal people, but you know, people who aren't training three to four hours a day. So I started to get really, really lean. I, I, I thought I looked you know, really good to be honest. Like, look at me, crazy. I'm ripped. Yeah, it's just I don't like, even need to wear a one piece anymore. I only wear bikinis. <laughs> but it's just so like I have always been quite strong. You know, I've always had wide shoulders. Before I kind of committed to doing just the iron person, um, I was more of a ski paddler. And if you look at ski paddlers in general, just because it is so upper body, they're quite strong and you know, I would want to say bulky in their upper body in like the night in the best way possible. That's you know, where all so your power strong. comes from. That's, that's your where power all comes your from power there. comes from. Yeah. yeah. You need, you need to be upper body dominant. Like yeah. that's just facts. You're so not I a rower. Like, your, but your, you know, your power doesn't come from your legs and your back. No, it comes from it your is, arms and your back. It yeah. comes from, yeah. So I, I was quite like, I guess, well built. I, I don't know. And I just, and there was nothing wrong with that. And I was doing really well with that body type. I had won my first Aussie medal. Um, I'd won, I'd gotten a third in the ski and I'd won my first Aussie Ironwoman championship. So that was the under 19s. I then represented Australia. So like I was doing really, kicking really goals. well. Yeah, goals. I was kicking goals. And then I made this shift. Um, and then eventually that season, I ended up performing really bad. Like at Aussies, I think I didn't even make the, it was my first year of opens. So that was also, you know, Big hard, shift. but I'd gone. I'd gone from winning the Australian titles to now not even making an iron person final or a ski final. Like I think I made the swim final and like, no offense, but it's, it's not that hard to make the swim final. Don't kill me. Guys. But like, at the time, Maybe I should try for that. Yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 
So, um, and at that time I, I lost my period. I didn't have it anymore. It slowly started getting lighter and lighter. And we actually went to the doctor about it. And the doctor was basically like, you, you know, I've known you for years. I know that you train at quite a high level and this isn't too, too much of an area of concern. We see that this is very common in athletes. And as long as you get it back, then I'm, I'm not too concerned. And oh, that, that's so hard to kind of like think back on. And there is, I don't, you know, have any ill feelings towards this doctor because if you are looking at a lot of research, it is quite common for females to lose their period. So yes, that that's correct. It's common for females to lose their period. Is it, is it not an area of concern? That's where I, that's where my opinion definitely changes. Mm. So from, yeah. So from that point on, I was fortunate enough to, as soon as I finished racing, went to Bali, had a week off, I remember actually being in Bali and my gut being really, really bad. So only now, like, you know, a few years later, am I kind of connecting the dots that, you know, I had really poor gut health. The symptoms that I was feeling that I thought were so unrelated to, you know, my menstrual cycle were actually really connected, really bad gut health, always cold, you know, always feeling really, really tired. And then I came back from Bali, rested, and I got my period back straight away. So very fortunate. Now I would say I was very fortunate that it was such a seamless mm. transition to getting back my period. And I haven't lost it again ever since. But that was definitely a wake-up call that I felt that as soon as my performance started declining, I was like, okay, you might, you know, look lean and you might look good, but what's the point of that if what you want to be is a good athlete? And you might look like a good athlete right now, but if you're not a good athlete, there's no point of looking like this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pushing yourself to receive the, um, you know, the, the looks as opposed to the, um, you know, the, the performance. Results. Yeah. yeah. The results. Yeah. So interesting because you are right. A lot of women who do push their bodies and it's actually a huge thing that occurs in young. So if there's any young mm. nippers or young athletes listening to this, who are in the early stages of menarche, so their first menstruation through to the first, say three to five years is that it's very common for teenage girls. If they're like, I'll just hypothetically say sports, but like gymnasts, swimmers, mm. um, runners, like um, athletics, cross country who are doing a lot of training and they're putting their body through a lot of pressure whilst their body's also trying to develop. And so what happens is that the body doesn't actually feel very safe and supported to have that mm -hmm. essential development for menstruation. And so for that, the body actually has to reach a certain amount of fat percentage. Mm -hmm. And so hence you saying that you lost a lot of weight. So your body has to have a certain fat percentage for men are, you actually have to reach a certain percentage of like bone density. So, mm. because that's, what's needed to be able to carry a child. Now, when you're 14, you're like, but I don't want to have a fucking baby. Like this is not my goals in life right now, but that's how the, the point of know, the period. But yeah. The point of the reproductive system mm. altering and shifting is for that. And so when that's not actually occurring, it's not like, oh, well, you're not menstruating. So we'll just put you on the pill or whatever it might be. It's actually a sign and, um, it's important to recognize that your period is actually a monthly health check. And if you're not getting a period or it's coming through with lots of messages like pain, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, migraines, headaches, um, heavy flow, stagnant flow, barely bleeding at all. They're all messages that your body's like, Hey, sorry, I feel like I'm hijacking the combo, <laughs> no. but, but, 
but they're messages that the body's like, hey, something's going on here. Like, are you listening to me? Like, I'm trying to talk to you. And you're very fortunate that you did have a period that returned because a lot of athletes, it can stay that way for a long time. And one of, I would say, the most common sports, you know, defined sport, but um, mm-hmm. common sports that this does occur is with, you know, um, figure co- competitions, mm-hmm. you know, so like, it's not called bodybuilding. Is it bodybuilding? Body, like yeah. body body, yeah, yeah. Like body fitness when you're like getting really lean, you've got very low fat percentage and you're trying to look as ripped as possible, ideally with a great spray tan. Um, so you, so you look good under the show lights, but you know, there's nothing against that sport, but you need to understand that that's going to really impact your fertility, whether you want to have a baby right now or not. So I love that you're sharing that this occurred with you and you had that experience because I'm sure it gives you a different experience now of when you do menstruate. Yeah, for sure. And another interesting thing that I want to point out is I remember talking, actually, I remember this conversation so clearly. I was standing on the beach with three other iron women who were really acclaimed like more acclaimed than me at the time and we're all sitting standing there and I don't you know it hadn't been a conversation that I'd had with a lot of my fellow athletes I'd had the conversation with my friends and my school friends because we all grew up together but like fellow athletes that we all still felt kind of intimidated by hadn't had that conversation and somehow we just got start we started talking about periods and I think there was five of us there and three or four out of the five all said they didn't get a period. And Mm -hmm. so for me standing there being like, yep, I don't have my period. And then, you know, Miss Iron Woman Woman of five times, you know, five times Australian champion telling me she didn't get her period either. I'm like, oh, yeah, I am like doing, I am on the right track, which is just so so silly to think of now but it's just so crazy and I and I and I say silly but I'm I want to put that out there that I know probably a lot of the listeners and other females who might be listening to this might be thinking the same thing so I I don't want to you know make you feel bad about yourself we just really want to reiterate that losing your period doesn't make you a legit athlete and doesn't mean that you're training really really hard and that yep, you've made it (laughs) and that, you know, if you still have your period, then, you know, your body fat is too high or that you aren't training hard enough and that you need to stop fueling yourself so that you lose your period. So you become a legit athlete. Like that's what we're just trying to reiterate. And I really love what you said about having this menstrual cycle as a health indicator. I think as females, we should see it as a really like fortunate thing to have this Thing that happens to us every month with symptoms and with hormone changes that gives us an indicator of what our health is like without having to do a blood test every every month or every few weeks without mm. having to go get a health check I don't think people see it like that they see their period as sometimes an incon- inconvenient thing that happens every month whereas something that I've come to now learn it and still learning to be honest is you know, listening to what my body is doing throughout the month and how it aligns with, you know, my menstrual cycle and using that as a health indicator. And I can definitely say that over the last few months, and like I said, it's always a work in progress, the last few months that it's been something that I really, really used as a health indicator and made quite like quite intense changes based off, you know, Mm -hmm. it's no longer just performance outcomes it's also you know what is my menstrual cycle like and if I have so 
two two cycles ago, I had a really, really bad period and actually I could probably talk to you about this and ask you questions about it, to be honest. But I ended up talking to my dietitian about it, my sports dietitian about it, and I told her about it. And she we we talked about it and we made big nutritional changes just from you know me reporting those symptoms for her. So like I feel I feel so lucky that I have that that menstrual cycle and obviously those symptoms weren't pleasant. But to know that if I if I weren't having a cycle and my body was suffering or something was going on and I needed to make changes in my diet or in my training, I'm so glad that I had that really prominent indicator to tell me make those changes as opposed to, you know, continuing going on and eventually affecting bone health, organ health, metabolic health, gut health, because they're all related. And that's what everyone needs to understand is it's not just hormone health here and the rest of your health here. Sorry, people can't see my hands, but it's not just hormone health in one box and then the rest of your health in another box. It's all really, really closely related with hormone health almost being one of, well, I would say the most important part of being a female. And of being a human because if you think of, you know, adrenaline, if you think of Mm -hmm. melatonin, you think of serotonin, you think of oxytocin, like um, cortisol, all of these hormones both men and women, all genders have these hormones and they place an even more important role when you are an athlete, because you really need to have optimal melatonin production. So you get really Mm. restorative and rejuvenative sleep, not just, oh yeah, I went to bed and I, and I slept like, no, no, no. I'm using my, like you said, three to four hours a day. Like that's a lot of training and that's nearly as much as what we're sitting in class at school. Like if you take mm. out the, the, you know, the morning tea, the recess, and then the lunchtime break, you take those out. That's really how long children are sitting in class all day. That's a lot of time. And so when you're going to sleep, you want to optimize that. And so your hormones are at play. So I just wanted to share that because that's for everybody, but you're spot on. They're not isolated. Your hormones aren't isolated. And I think it's so wonderful that you have what I would call a team of support and you don't have to be an athlete to have a team of support. So if you're watching this on YouTube, um, I was the same before we hit record to Carla that, you know, I just came from an acupuncturist appointment and I'm like, which is also a little bit of a massage and my face is all smushed and I never look like this normally when I record, but I was like, I don't care. This is important conversation, but that's part of my support team, you know, to help me stay regular, to help me stay connected and aware of where my body is and what my meridians are doing and how's my kidney health, how's my liver health and anybody anybody can have a support team. You don't have to be a professional athlete. And if something feels off, I love your message is like, look into that. Like, don't just shun it away. And so many people and young menstruators like, Oh God, you're so lucky. You don't have a period. Mm. But how lucky are you long-term? Yeah, for sure. I think that's what people need to realize is in the end, if you want to have a baby, you need to have a period. So that's the biggest thing that I that I tell people. I'm like, do you want a baby? Yes. Well, you need to have a period. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's fine. I'll think about that later. And it's just like, no, don't think about it later where all of a sudden you are trying for a baby and you are struggling to get a period. And again, I'm not very well educated in, you know, the menstrual, your, the effects of the menstrual health we've attempts to conceive I'm not going to talk out on that topic preconception 
but I will like I can 100% say that it's 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 so important (laughs) it is and like I mentioned it is that monthly health check and our cycle is a sign of good health yeah and so that you know like you said you don't have to go to the doctor regularly to get a health check like you just tune into your body and flow through each of the four phases. Everyone who's a listener here already of the podcast will know there's so many episodes on these topics, <laughs> but yeah, if you, I love your question. Like, do you want to have a baby? Most are like, not right now, Mm-mm. Not right. <laughs> but if it's in your plan for in five years time, now's a really good time to look into it because if you keep persisting with the lifestyle that you have, that's creating the cycle that you do have you know, that can actually impact you for two years or three years. And that that also might impact your ovary health. Because if you don't, sure. if you're not using your ovaries every cycle, like that can impact your ovary health, which impacts your ability to ovulate, which is a healthy fertile cycle and lots of other things, but going off on a good tangent here, but <laughs> it's important to yeah recognize that you ha- your cycle is important and not to tap out of it. Yeah. Not to think it's a great escape. So back to the question about training throughout your menstrual cycle, let's full circle this back. Yeah. So what is your, um, recapping back in around, you know, four or five years ago, you had a shift in your, in your diet, you had a shift in your performance. You had a a month or so without your period arriving, went to Bali, had an amazing holiday, rejuvenated, (laughs) felt safe and supported, came home, started menstruating. So what have you shifted and changed in your training since then? And what does your training look like now? And is it like phase specific, um, like not taking into account competitions, but just around what you can control around your training? What does that look like now? Yeah, I think the biggest the biggest change for me was learning about the different phases. Number one, it's really hard to justify trading periodization if you don't know why you're doing it, at least for me. I always like to be really involved in the whole training process and why are we doing what, probably just from my background as an exercise physiologist. So firstly was learning about the phases. Next was then learning about the effects of exercise on the body during the phases. So talking a lot with my, you know, with my best friend, Lucita, who is now actually my, you know, business partner. We, we actually talk a lot about this in our business called Women Performance, where we look a lot about training periodization and education for specifically for female athletes or just for anyone training and how to get the most out of your training by working alongside your cycle. Now, it's funny, you've mentioned before how I wish we could just create our own study experiment, create our own experiment with your own athlete. It's it's really interesting because Lucita and I often talk about ourselves as subjects of an experiment. Maybe <laughs> so, we'll do this together. Maybe we'll do this. So ever since I learned about this, and this was probably like a year and a half ago, I have really passionately and really religiously tracked my cycle and really been in tune with how I feel. So of course, we, we won't go through it all. You guys can listen to another podcast about the different phases, but I think it's important to note that, you know, from day one to ovulation, you have your menstruation and you have your follicular phase. This is generally when, you know, higher intensity exercise is welcomed. Your body is adapting a little bit better. There's a greater ability to handle fatigue. You have a lower core temperature in general. So that's just the science behind it. But in general, during that follicular phase, I tend to try and put my intensity sessions in that phase. Now, I will say that 
even knowing all this information, I still don't feel like I have hit the nail on the head with my training. So that's just important to note that even yes, I have had some pretty, you know, amazing achievements recently. And it's still a work in progress. And there are so many factors that go into it. And it's still, you know, difficult conversations with coaches who, you know, need to be educated on it or who aren't educated on it. So you're mm. you constantly trying to convince people why you're doing things a certain way. So I will say that I I will I will say what I'm trying to do and just just know that I haven't you know, I haven't hit the nail on the head yet and I'm and it's it's still a work in progress. So what I try and do is put those higher intensity sessions towards the, you know, the first half of my cycle. And then after ovulation, you go into your luteal phase. And I I do feel the effects of my luteal phase. Now, whether it's placebo and I just know too much now that I can't ignore it, but I, I can't I really unsee do. it. I can't unsee it. I just really can't. But especially towards the end of my my cycle. So towards, you know, the 25th or the 24 day, it depends how long your cycle is. But for me, it's roughly around 28 days. From that 24th day onwards, I really do feel like my body is demanding me for a rest. And probably on a more extreme level than someone who is not training really hard, but I'm sure if you tune in, you, you will feel the same effects too. And I try, I really try, again, I'm not perfect. Your intention, times. your intention is. My intention is to back up my training during that moment to try and prepare my body for menstruation and my acupuncturist, my acupuncturist as well, <laughs> um, put it really nicely to me one time. She was like, I want you to have a really good bleed this cycle because then that will provide you with the resources to have a great bleed the next cycle and it's all related and there are benefits to having you know we've we've talked about a healthy menstrual cycle so she's like I want you to have a good bleed in this cycle so I really recommend you just dropping down on the intensity because I did have those really bad symptoms you know two cycles ago dropping down on the intensity as well for those first few days of menstruation so generally what I try and do is drop the intensity down as I lead into my menstruation to try and encourage a good bleed (laughs) hope everyone goes around saying that one I really liked it um and then obviously on the first few days of my period for me I tend to have a heavier period at the start and you you do have those feelings of discomfort I know maybe it's a little bit different for everyone but personally I do get a little bit of that heavy feeling that bloaty feeling it is the feeling that you're bleeding and losing a lot of blood you know for three days so I try not be too hard. I think the biggest thing is I try not be too hard on myself. If I'm feeling like crap, I know that there's a reason for it. And I can, I think a lot of being an athlete is just justifying things. So I just, I feel justified. I feel it's okay to drop the intensity down. I'm feeling really, really tired. I might, I might take this session off in an extreme, <laughs> extreme world. Try not to do that. Try to just drop the intensity down or take the session off. And that's still something that I'm honestly working on and coming to terms with is I think it's really hard when the coach doesn't program you a session where it's easier and, you know, everyone else is doing efforts. It's really hard to go, you know what, I'm going to drop the intensity of this session and I'm not going to be tempted just because old mate next to me, who I'm always in a competitive battle with is going really, really hard. I'm not going to try verse them. And, you know, push myself because this is what I feel like my body needs and my body Mm. will thank me for it when I'm out of my, you know, 
three, four days of heaviness and I end back into my follicular phase where I can go really, really hard. And what I've found, because I've definitely done both, I've definitely ignored my cycle. I've definitely tried to honor it and, you know, apply those intentions. And I found the times that I imply those intentions of, you know, dropping it down before my menstruation starts and then taking those first few days off a little bit, I have fewer discomfort in terms of symptoms of my menstruation. Um, Overall, my period goes a lot more smoothly in terms of, you know, less bad symptoms, less fatigue, and then I feel a lot fresher to then hit my higher intensity sessions in my follicular phase. So I think it's really hard when you're doing kind of group orientated sports Mm. to have your own training program. And that's what I've talked a lot about with coaches because in my sport specifically, we train in huge groups, like groups of 20. You know, the swim squad is a mixture of boys, girls, 24-year-olds, 15-year-olds. And then same with my surf squad. There's It's mostly male-dominant as well. Uh, we've got 60-year-old masters ski paddling next to us. And then we've got, you know, 16-year-old boys paddling next to me. So what I've come to, I guess, the in a perfect world, I would have my own you know, my own coach who, you know, writes me programs right on my, dependent on my menstrual cycle. But obviously, you know, there's lack of resources for that. And that's just my training, how my training is structured. But the biggest thing that I'm trying to input into my training is just taking taking my training into my own hands and, and being really communicative with the coach as well. So they know. And I, and I say, hey, coach, um, I'm actually, and I just, I'm straight honest now. I think I've talked about it so long. I'd be like, I'm on, you know, I'm just about to get my periods. I'm just going to drop the intensity down. And most of the time they're like, okay, girl, you do what you need to do. Obviously it would be amazing if, you know, and I think the resources out there for now coaches, they most of the time have to do a little bit of a subject on menstruation and menstrual health. I know my friend Thank recently the Lord. did a, Yeah. She recently did a coaching course and she messaged me straight away. She goes, Hey Carl, we, we learned about what you always talk about. And I was like, Oh, thank God. Um, so that's really cool to see, but you know, a lot of, a lot of coaches are still, are still old school. So I understand it's really, really hard to speak out against a coach. And I, and again, this is something I've really struggled with as well. So I'm talking and that's me talking from a place of someone who feels really passionate about training around the menstrual cycle and has all this education. And even sometimes I'm still scared to speak out and tell my coach that I'm going to drop the intensity down. And I think that just comes from, you know, not wanting to disappoint the coach, not wanting to look weak. So there is still so much work to be done with dropping the stigma around, you know, periods and around, yeah. And around, you know, I'm not being soft because I'm, I'm bleeding. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I'm actually, I'm being smart about what is actually happening in my body. And if you want me to be able to perform, you know, to the best of my ability, it is crucial that we are addressing the fact that what my body is going through is not the same as what John in the lane over is going through, you know, and maybe he can with train. With his 24-hour hormone With his cycle. 24-hour hormone cycle, <laughs> you know, like it's just not the same. So you cannot treat treat me the same as as John. So, um, yeah, it, it's just a lot of the time I have to take that into my own hands and I'm getting better at it. So I'm just really encouraging anyone listening who feels like it might be really hard and you might say, but, you know, my coach has 
50 athletes in the squad. How am I, how is he going to write me my own specific plan? It doesn't need to be a specific plan. It doesn't need to be a whole session change. It just needs to be you realizing where you are at in your cycle, really being in tune with how you feel and making that conscious decision to either drop the intensity if you need to, maybe, you know, don't even go to that session if you know that you can't do it. If you know that you can't not train hard because other people are training hard, maybe go and do your own session or change the, maybe go and do a yoga class, you know, if, if that's what your body needs, change it up. And that's something that I've really been working on in the last few months um, and in the last year, because I, I want to be the best athlete that I can be. And I really want to work with my body and get the most out of my body. And it's something that I've just really felt has become really important for me. And I can, I see, I can see the effects. I think that's the main thing. I can see the effects of what happens of when I train with my cycle. So I think it's, it's so important. And look, the research is there. So it's no longer just like, this is happening to me. So this might happen to you. The research is there to support it. So now we need more education for coaches so that they can encourage their athletes to try and speak out about it more and just ask them, how are you feeling? It doesn't need to be, what day of your cycle are you on? Like, are you having a good bleed? Like, it doesn't need to be that, you know, which would be great, actually, if they did ask those questions. But I know that there is still stigma around periods. So it just needs to be a small conversation. How are you feeling? And you say to your coach, hey, coach, look, um, I mean, you know, I'm not feeling my best today. I'm in a certain phase of my cycle, so I'm just going to drop it down. And I, I assure you, if you say that to your coach, your coach is going to be like, go, girl, you do your thing. <laughs> well, firstly, I'm so proud of you, right? Because it takes, <laughs> I don't want to say it takes balls, but it takes fucking good ovaries to be able to like speak up to, especially to a male who doesn't have a lived experience because they don't have a full understanding. Even if they have the education, they still don't have the full understanding. But it takes a lot of powerful ovaries to understand in your own power to say, hang on a second, that's not going to work for me today. Yeah. And I always love to use the analogy, Carla, is that just drive your own car. Don't try to drive the car someone mm. else is driving in the lane next to you. Just stick to your own lane. And when you have the ability to do that, you're actually are tapping more into your own needs, like you mentioned. And because of that, your body's going to gift you so much more. And often injuries occur when you're pushing yourself because of competition or comparisonitis. Mm. And so I see this in yoga all the time. Yeah, it's like yoga is an individual sport. It's not even a sport in te- like technical term. It's a spiritual It's amazing. Practice. Yoga is amazing. No, I props to, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Yoga's great. <laughs> but it's you and your mat and that's it. But you could be in a class with 40 people and you're like, oh, well, I don't really feel like my backs are right to do a wheel or a backbend mm. today. So, but everyone else is doing it. I don't want to look like I can't do it. So I'm just going to do it anyway. And we need to let go of that. That's the, yeah. the, the taught you know, comp- like competitiveness of us. It's the taught comparison. It's the taught, I don't want to look weak. We need to actually start thinking and embracing that living in tune with your menstrual cycle is a power and it's yeah. very empowering. And I love that you speak up on this, um, particularly to your coaches and to those around you, because it really can empower the other times and the other aspects of your cycle. And from all the athletes that I've ever worked with as clients is that you can hit better PBs when you're mm. in that spring and summer phase of your cycle, 
and you can go longer and stronger. So you've got more endurance ability in that luteal phase. Plus you want to be long and strong. You don't want to be fast out of the blocks and, you know, Surf life saving is a is a is a fast sport unless you're doing yeah. cooling out of gold, which is a fucking endurance sport <laughs> for crazy people like Carla. But I think it's really important to understand that each phase has a very unique uh, possibility and potential. And that menstrual time, if you just honor it, and what I always teach my clients, regardless, because we live in a society. I know on Southeast Queensland where we live. There's a lot of outdoor atmosphere of like moving your body every day and exercising and training and looking fit and grading your swimmers. But it's very important to move your body every day, but mm-hmm. you can change the movement. And so I don't yes. call it exercise. I'm like, how can you customize that movement? And so through menstruation, I'll just, I'd love to share with you that, you know, I do encourage more stretching, more yin yoga, more self-massage, which actually is a form of movement because you're using a lymphatic system and you're moving other things in your body. But those things are actually way more beneficial for your soul and your spirit to come back with more passion after a little one or two or three day break. And so I hope this inspires the listeners to stop trying to be like your male counterparts in your sport. And start to recognize that you're different. And I'll one last thing I'll share is that when I was doing triathlon, I'll, I'll never forget when I was training for an Ironman that, you know, every Saturday was like 180K bike ride, mm. you know, and regardless of where you are in your cycle, like I'm sitting on that fucking hard seat rubbing against my labia. <laughs> yeah, like those bloody bike pads are not padded enough. They are padded, but they're not enough padded. And these are the true conversations that aren't happening, but you know, regardless is like, I'm comparing myself, you know, this is in my, in my twenties, I would compare myself that I'm not keeping up with a 35 year old man who can just gun it up the freaking huge hill. And it's not about that anymore. It's about, well, what am I doing in my boat? Yeah. In my ski, on my board, in my lane, and how can I best serve me? Because ultimately when it comes to race day, it's an individual sport. Yeah. And I think, you know, that applies to your sport specifically, but I think it's really important to just remember that the only race you're really running and racing is your own. And so how can we really honor our training and our bodies so that we can actually turn up on race day for you next week or last week, if you're listening to this live, (laughs) um, you know, turning up ready more than ever for the race. And if you're not an athlete and you are a, you know, a stay at home athlete, you could say, is that the same thing applies to you is like, well, what is the race you're turning up to? Is it turning up to your best health? And if it is, is what you're doing really serving that? Yeah, no, I, I love that. And just one other thing I know we've talked about ages is I think it's important from, you know, for any athletes or just people who love to train to remember that they're not two separate things. The the training plan that your coach puts for you and the way that your body feels and your body are not two separate entities. They need to be seen as one. So you wanting to complete the workout to its full capacity is not separate to how you feel, if that makes sense. So it's Total really sense. important to remember that your body will will be able you'll be able to get more out of your body if you train you know to its to its best capacity taking into account what's happening to it each month you know it's different for men for females we do go through that you know 28 day or however long cycle so 
you can't think of it as I just need to get the session done. You need to think, you know, my body, I love how you said earlier on it, you said my body is my business. Like it is, you know, same same way that a carpenter will have his tools. You know, my tool is my body. And if my body is not in the best place that it can be, and not just physically, but like you said, spiritually and mentally, you are not going to be able to get the best out of your body. And that's something that I really tried to, you know, zone in on in the last, you know, few years. And especially in the last few months, as I feel like I've taken a step up with my training. And that's been something that's been so imperative is that, yeah, I really, I, it, it's all connected. The mind, the physical sense, the spiritual sense. And when I'm training my and performing my best, it's because all of those, I'm addressing each and every one of those aspects, not just them individually. So I hope that anyone who might think that, oh, they don't need to think about this and they don't need to find ways to honor themselves and take way, take time out of their training or to, to step back away from sport and think like, how am I actually doing? And how does my, not just my body feel, but how does my, you know, inner self feel? Mm. Um, please, please dive deep into it because I think you'll be surprised at how much you will find and what improvements you can make into your, into your general life and also into your training and into your performance by, you know, taking steps. I love it. I love it. I just had a vision <laughs> whilst you were talking about, cause I, I always think that, you know, I go to yoga and I train like with yoga, a practice, sorry, I'm a practitioner of yoga. I don't train um, six days a week. Right. And some of my classes are two, two and a half hours long. So I, every day will go to yoga apart from maybe one day a week. And regardless of where I am in my cycle, I you know, I shift that up. And so when I'm menstruating, I still go to yoga. I'll turn up to like, say, Ashtanga, which is not the yoga practice to not practice, like yeah. when you're in the class. And I will rock up, I'll grab a bolster, I'll grab two sandbags, I'll grab eight blankets. And I'm like, hey, guys, have fun in class. And yeah. I'm literally right next to them in the same class. And that's because I'm so unapologetic about what my body needs. And so mm. I had this vision of you rocking up to training and being like, guys, I'm here. I turned up. It's day two. And I'm just going <laughs> to stretch on the sand here whilst you flog yourself around that boy out there. And because yeah. um, sometimes it's not about not turning up because you can turn up, but it's about turning up in a way that's going to really nurture and nourish yourself. And sometimes mentally, it's just being around this, the squad. You know, it doesn't yeah. have to be the same thing. So I'm lo- I've I've loved our conversation and all the directions it's taken. So thank you. Now <laughs> thank I have you so much. You are very worth it. <laughs> I have three final questions. Okay. So first question is: I know we've talked a lot about training. You've shared a lot of tips around that, but like training for your cycle, that is. But do you, do you have any daily tips? I don't like to say hacks, but any daily tips that you have that help you connect with your cycle. Okay, I definitely think number one is tracking your cycle. Definitely said that. (laughs) Yeah, track your cycle so you know where you're at. Um, There are different tools. There are a million different apps. Find the one that works for you, and you can you can do those ovulation tests if you really really want to know exactly where you're at in your cycle. So that's definitely a way to be in tune with where you're at in general. Ah, okay. Thinking thinking some more. Number two, I think for me, just because it's been one of my areas of, you know, concern or something that I've struggled with is really tuning into what my gut is doing. Mm, (laughs) That might be a little bit, we haven't really talked about that, but 
generally healthy gut, healthy mind, and you know, effective body is the way I kind of see. You know, if my gut's going well, my mind is generally at ease because I'm not stressing about if I'm feeling bloated or if you know I'm not going to the toilet properly. And then I can get the most out of my training because I just feel good. So okay. really being in tune about, you know, what I'm eating, how I'm, you know, how I'm responding to food and as well, also, again, relating that to my menstrual cycle. So knowing that these foods and these um, types of foods affect me more during one phase of my cycle, I will make sure to, you know, address that next cycle. So I hope, I hope that's somewhat relevant. That's good. Into no, tips. It's very relevant. Very relevant. Um, and then I think the third tip is also just assessing my fatigue ongoingly. So I think that's one thing as an athlete, especially one that trains all the time is just assessing fatigue. So am I feeling tired consistently? Obviously you're going to be tired. I think that's also one thing that we need to say, like, it's not about that you feel strong and healthy and, you know, like you can do a PB every single day. That is not the point of training. The point of training is to have these kind of ebbs and flows and these peaks. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to peak for races and you're trying to, you know, if your coach is doing periodization training, you're trying to peak for key points of your training. So making sure that am I peaking at the right times, and then am I kind of coming down and being a little bit more chill and maybe feeling a little bit more tired, but that's coinciding with the training. So I think that's one thing that everyone can kind of tune into. Ask your coach, you know, when are we when are we peaking when's our when's our peak training stage phase and you know we're obviously preparing for this competition so the goal is to peak at this competition and then just assess if you're always feeling fatigued and you're not feeling good for one session that's when you really need to make some changes and reassess you know what you're doing reassess what am i eating how am i you know how am i contributing to my mind body and soul <laughs> Mm, I love it. Great, great tips. And um, I love that you use number one is the menstrual cycle and tracking because <laughs> I encourage everyone to use a written tracker. Apps are great, but to create better awareness, use a written tracker. It becomes like a school project. So you can keep your trackers in front of you. If you get like three in a row and you can be like, okay, did I feel the same every day on day 13 for each of the three cycles? Or what was I like on day 25? Like you said, when you turned the the inward style towards your menstruation, and you can actually start to see in front of you and it becomes way more tangible as opposed to like just tapping on your phone. So if you're listening to this, I have free resources and free downloadables for trackers that are printable. I love um, that. I'm definitely going hit, to hit you up about it. Hit me up anytime. And I would encourage you if you are an athlete or an aspiring athlete is to track your fatigue on there. Like you mentioned, I always like to say, track your sleep, your fatigue and your energy levels. And notice if you're, say you give it a, a sliding scale, one to 10, 10 being like so extremely fatigued, one being like next to nothing. If you track it with a number every single day, and then you look over say six trackers, you'll start to see a pattern arise in your cycle. And you're like, wow, I'm actually always fatigue, fatigued at this time. That has nothing to do with the argument I had with my partner last night. It's nothing to do with the fact I didn't like yesterday's training session. That's actually a part of my cycle. And you'll start to differentiate between what is my cyclical nature and what is actually my life, which is training or personal life or work life. And so they're my little tips. Sorry. I feel like I, I love that. No, I'm no, I 
I'm going to use that. I don't even do that. So. <laughs> well, there you go. That's your that's your you that's your new insight secret. Until all the athletes yeah. listen to this. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I've definitely worked with a number of athletes in in my time, and I think it's a really great way to work out what is your cyclical nature because that's the best discovery. Mm-hmm. Is like okay, well, I can even customize even more rather than just my yeah. leading time. So that's that. Now, second question I had for you is how can everybody find you? So everyone's going to be listening to this and be like, what's this period thing that you do with your friend? <laughs> and I want to follow your competitions and your training progress and your, you know, your journey. So where can they find you? So my personal, mostly I'm most active on my personal Instagram page, which is just at Carla Papak. So we'll link that down below. And then my women's health page is called Women Performance. So that's W-O-M-A-N. And what we do a lot on there is provide nutritional advice, tips about products. That's one thing that we love to do is we love to try different products, especially her being a triathlete. Triathletes love supplements and, you know, love the latest gadgets to use when they're racing and same with you know same with all athletes you you need supplements to an extent so we're always testing products and we also have workshops explaining you know the different phases of the cycle and what kind of happens during those cycles and how it might affect your training and little tips on how to periodize your training around your cycle so that's women's performance and we have online workshops and we also provide information on our instagram I love all of this so much. So I already follow both of your pages, so I'll include those links in the show notes. Everybody go and check them out. Um, I'm loving this. Okay, last question, I promise. We're going to change gears a bit. I ask every okay. guest this, okay? And you've probably never listened to ever, any, show, any episode of my show, so this is going to be a great surprise. I want you to think back to your younger menstruating self, so that 14-year-old self who's so excited to be part of the girl gang who are all menstruating, what are three things that you now know today that you wish you had have known then? Ooh. <laughs> I think the biggest thing, one, number one would be don't stress about getting a period. It will come. <laughs> you're, you're a healthy girl and you will get your period. Because I, I think I, I was stressing a lot about it. Um, number two is your body is going to go through changes and that's okay. And that's all a part of going through puberty and becoming a woman. So instead of rejecting those changes, honor them, welcome them as uncomfortable and weird as they may feel. Remember that every other female is also going through it. So you're all in it together. And number three is talk more. So let's normalize periods talk about it with your friends because I assure you that they're thinking what you're thinking and they probably just want some fr- a friend to talk about it with. Talk about it with your mom, talk about it with the females in your life that you trust and also talk about it with your boyfriends as well. You know, it's so cool to, to you know, now being older, have these conversations with, you know, my friends, my, my male friends. And it's, it's no one was having those conversations when you were younger. And I think that's that's on, on two parts. Someone that females felt uncomfortable talking about it in general, and then especially with men. So if we can start these conversations earlier, we're going to have more educated men. And then when it comes time to when, you know, and men and when men and women need to coexist beside each other, you know, when you move in with a guy, that they're gonna know every part of you. They're gonna 
They're going to be looking at you all the time. They're going to be asking you what's happening. And you want to be able to tell them, I'm on my period. I feel X, Y, Z. And then, of course, when you want to conceive, that's another important topic that you need to address is, you know, if you're ovulating, that's that's why we're not, we're not getting into pregnancy chat now. But honestly, it's just important. <laughs> Let's it's save important. that for another episode. Let's save that for another podcast. But it's important to be able to have honest conversations with your partner that will make you feel more com- comfortable with who you are. So if we can normalize these topics with females, other females, other males, and then of course, you know, coaches are included in that. Let's do it from as young of an age as possible so we can have females feeling as comfortable as possible when they are having, you know, a crappy menstrual cycle and they're feeling these symptoms and they're feeling down in the dumps to be able to talk to the people around them about it. Mm-mm. I don't even want to add to that. There were three, <laughs> three great things. And um, he, 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 he. <laughs> around talking more. So I hope everyone who's listening to this has got so much value out of it. I know that I've had so much fun having this chat with you. So thank you so much for being here. Thank and, you so much. And, and all the best with um, Aussie titles because everyone, this is, people are going to be listening to this and it's after Aussie titles. So all the best. And um, I'm very excited to support you and see what happens over the next week um, during competition time. And again, thank you for being a crusader in menstrual awareness and education for athletes and really being a great role model. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me, guys. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning into every episode of the Well Woman podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. If this episode excited you, please hit follow on Spotify, which means all of my episodes will pop up in your feed weekly so you never miss a weekly drop. I'd love you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts too. Love this episode? Come and follow me over on Instagram at wellsome underscore Gemily. Say hi and share what you've taken away from this episode with me. Now, is there a bestie, sister, or a friend who you know who might be fed up, frustrated, and confused with their cycles? Are they ready to join you in awakening their cyclical essence too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode, share it on your socials, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to them. So together we can all live in flow, harmony, and balance with our cycles. Now, until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body, and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle.